You're listening to Regular Black Radio. Welcome to Regular Black Radio, a conversation about being Black as told by regular Black people. We talk about race, identity, and regular things about minority life that you may not have known before. This week's episode, Plant and Water. This week I talked to Brie Campbell, a elementary school teacher in West Baltimore, a dedicated wife and mother, and hands down one of the coolest people that I've ever met. And, um, yes, you did it. Did it. I met Brie because I just happened to have gone to a presentation that she gave called Dancing White, where she talks about cultural appropriation of black culture and black music over the years. Um, the presentation was absolutely fantastic, and after the show, I just went up and asked her if I could talk to her about her views on race, and she was kind enough to oblige. Do you want to start? I want to say arreglando. That's Spanish, <laughs> but like getting <laughs> like getting things together. I mean, no, for dinner. Oh, okay. So I just I I don't want to you know you got you got people. I really enjoyed this conversation with Brie because it's so clear that she is very passionate about her community and the people that she works with and um, her cause, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But I, um, I just enjoyed talking to her, and I think you guys will enjoy listening to this interview. I went over to Brie's house to record, and she ended up inviting me to dinner. Cause... Black America! <laughs> Girl, you go to my house, you eat. Sometimes you show up at dinner time, like, hey, how you doing? What y'all doing? Girl, you know what you doing. What y'all eating? Chicken, how you get the kids? Oh my gosh, that was a favorite comedy special. But both before and after the meal, we had long conversations about race and the black community. So here's where we started off. Okay, so can you tell me your name? Brie A. Mason Campbell is my name. Okay, and Brie, what do you do? Wow. <laughs> what do I do? I make an intentional choice to try to improve the quality of life for Americans who are black. I am concerned about the ways in which our civil rights are disregarded. I'm concerned about the ways in which our own knowledge of our identity mm. um, is so limited and um, how that can become a self-perpetuating cycle of having a narrow view of self and then living out a narrow view of self and then um, passing that narrow view of self to the next generation. When I asked Brie this question, I wasn't expecting an answer that was quite so profound, but I think this speaks greatly to who she is as a person and what really is important to her. She's more than her occupation as an elementary and middle school dance teacher. She has a mission. So that's uh, what I feel like my contribution is, to think about intentionality in um, 
in addressing the needs of the spirit and the needs of you know mm-hmm. because um I really feel like the reason that our kids are making some of the choices they're making is because they're just divorced from a higher sense of self. Wow. That is, that's big. It's big. I feel like the role I can play in that is teaching how the arts fill that other gap. So you filled their mind with these ideas and, you know, but what's their heart full of? Because until the heart is full of the gospel, you know, the, the gospel of the truth that we're supposed to love one another, you know, and that um, our steps must be ordered in love. And that you can go out there and boldly love yourself and be yourself, you know, as the artist is called to do. I definitely think it's the case that Um, Black people, Black children especially, are often not permitted to to have a love that big um, for themselves, to to embrace who you are fully and to know that you're accepted and that you have a place in this world. And I really appreciate Bree's intention, her deliberateness in bringing that back and cultivating that for her students through through art, through dance. I just feel like some of us are just here to do that, just to pour forth our spirit as art. Like mm-hmm. to just, you know, who hasn't been to a museum and like cried in front of a, a piece of art? Because it's just like, it so beautifully captures some kind of idea or some kind of feeling and you really, really get it or has read the pages of a book and nobody could have said it more clearly. It just strikes a, a note in your soul. Beer, yeah, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. or hear Stevie Wonder sing anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yes, like that's what it is. It, there, it's something about reflecting the core of your own humanity. I mean, anyone who's stood on a mountain peak or has watched the sunset, mm-hmm. there's something so true about that moment, something yeah. so eternal about that moment. And I think that that's what we encounter in art that true and the eternal, that like, oh, I'm a part of something bigger. And I think that Americans who are black have been taught that we're a part of something very small. You're a part of poverty, that's something very small. Yeah. You're a part of racism, you're a part of crime. But when you reach out and you have that moment of joy and connection with another person, oh, I'm a part of community. It's a realization moment. Oh, I, I can be a part of your happiness and you can be a part of mine. Especially when I do these partner dances. It's amazing to me how these dances like Lindy Hop, you are somebody's partner. I trust you and you trust me and we're going to make something together. Mm -hmm. That's a lost art in our community that has to be revived. first graders are learning about West African dance because they come in thinking that uh, Africa's like ooga booga yeah. and that you know they're poor there and they're dirty mm-hmm. and, but to those who are a clean slate because they haven't had any of that for whatever reason I don't think I've had a child come in who hasn't thought of black as something negative I don't think I've ever had a slate that clean they all you black 
you know, yeah. I don't think I've ever had a slate that clean, but there are some who don't come thinking negatively about Africa, who don't really have a concept of Africa. But to those who have a negative concept, then we learn this great dance and we wear these beautifully covered clothes and we play this drum that makes these incredible sounds and, you know, and everyone, you know, our parents come to see us dance and they clap and they cheer and we've right. been African. Right. They clapped and cheered for Africa. I, I just try to get that down there in the psyche because we need it down there in the psyche. Yeah. You gotta push we need it to down. take root. We need it to take root. Mm-hmm. Brie goes on to explain what her students learn as they progress through their elementary and middle school careers. They start partnering with each other. They learn, you know, rock and roll dances. And like I said, they learn about Chuck Berry and Sister Rosetta Tharp and, and learning about how gospel and country smash together to make this new thing that's rock and roll. And they, and they learn how to, to be partners and how to, and I, I love it because Sometimes, often, the girls learn rhythm first. So, like, the girls are, like, what you would call backleading. Like, the girls are doing more than really their assigned role. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to receive information and respond. Right. But they're also giving information. It's really, I think, a nice age because they, they, they're learning on a much more equal plane. Because the girls have to step up and be like, well, no, honey, because this is where the two and the four are. Let me help you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, let me help yeah. you out. And then, you know, the boys do, do their part um, so beautifully and so well and learn all these complicated patterns and it works out. And then in fourth grade, you know, we start, because now we have that as a basis working together then we can let go of each other's hands and we're, when we're learning this vernacular jazz. It's, you know, just how to be expressive in one's own body. Because when we get to middle school, those girls start to feel like they need to be next to somebody. Go to the bathroom with me. Right. Come, well, let's branch out and have this, you know, set a precedent for what it means to just express yourself. wanting her students to learn how to express themselves, Brie makes a point to incorporate history into her dance lessons. I try to teach them about civil rights, like, okay, so we're, uh, as part of this civil rights struggle, we're pushing to say who we are, you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, and all of a sudden you can, you know, move your hips. And, you know, you can do all these, you know, you can be funky and be something that is identifiably different from what the majority group is and not be ashamed of it and not try to suppress it. So it's trying to move away from that assimilation. I think it was a dance about saying it's okay to be different. Mm. We're different. Is it still cool if we're all American? Because we're actually different. And we have all these great things to offer. Um, and then in sixth grade, we'd take a look at ourselves and do Baltimore Club. Right. And then they learn um, Lindy Hop is their capstone course in seventh and eighth, so going back to being partners again. Because, you know, so many of them want to be partners in other ways at that age. Uh-huh. And um, really have to learn what, this, what that's about. Like, well, what's a good partner do? Hopefully they're, they're getting that. Uh-huh. 
you guys are actually learning about mm-hmm. And um, I think that arts education is is singular in its ability to speak to the spirit and the soul. And where you have people who are beat down and abused in that in that place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people who are beaten down and abused in their spirits. Yeah. I mean, you have to offer medicine for that. Right. And this is where you feel the most compelled to help. Well, I mean, I guess uh, what I would love to do is say, I know what great teaching and learning looks like because mm. I've seen it. Like, if we could just have that, every student in this school having an excellent excellent teacher, yeah. like the ones that we have at New Song, I mean, I'd, that would be, that's my heart's desire. What I want is someone who cares about you and is giving you the best educational experience possible, who understands that you're seven, who understands that you're 12, who understands that you're 13, who has asked you to think about the things that connect with that, and is gifting you and is uncovering the gifts of understanding and reading and writing about those things so that you can participate in this world in ways that affect your employability, affect your sense of yourself. Yeah. So that's what I really feel yeah. passionate about. That needs to happen and it is not happening. We cannot continue just to pass kids through yeah. and not really have excellent classrooms because it's possible. And feel like that's okay. I mean, we are doing that in droves. It scares me. And it's it not, really scares I'm me. You. And when I meet people who are excellent at this, I'm like, okay, this is something that it's possible to be. Why aren't more people like this? Yeah. Brianne and I talked for quite some time as well about standards and what that means in the Black community. A lot of times, respectability is a topic that comes up um, when we think of standards, and respectability is a fairly controversial topic. Um, It's the idea that in order to excel, in order to be successful, that one has to take on white standards, white standards of speaking and presenting oneself. And uh, it's it's this notion that those things will then allow us to be accepted into the white community. And that is just not how racism works. That's not how oppression works. Um, it's not something tangible that is you know, calls for correction in behavior. It's something that calls for a correction in thought process by, you know, the, the, the group in power. And this is something that Brie feels very strongly about. She feels that we should not be encouraging our students to, our children to strive toward the standard that is so far outside of what is often, um, familiar to them, not that we shouldn't embrace what could offer us some benefit, but that we shouldn't put down what is natural to us. Um, And while I agree, I did want to play devil's advocate a little bit here because I understand um, why that need is there a lot of times, particularly for older black folks to encourage young people to, you know, pull their pants up and to speak proper English and and all that jazz, I I think it's a sort of survival tactic and a flawed one at that. But 
um, we had an interesting sort of dialogue about this, and I, I think Bray has some really good things to say. It's very often the case, though, that that young black men don't are not afforded the benefit of the doubt, are not afforded mistakes that teenagers make, and are thus held to a different standard. Death seems a kind of stiff punishment for being um, a silly teenager. Yeah. But that's the issue. There's no room for us to be silly. <clears throat> Which gets to the standards conversation. You know, I, I understand why we have some black folk who just cannot abide by the pants hanging down and you know yeah. a haircut that's not an even Steven mm-hmm. because I think that for those groups I'm talking about mm-hmm. when they look at that hair and they look at the whatever the right fence, that's what they see they look, what you see is oh you're not really taking this whole thing seriously disregard you're not, you're not really willing to be mature enough to represent yourself well and represent our group well Therefore, you are now out of the group. You're one of them. You know, Chris Rock, black people versus niggas. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's us and there's you. And y'all are messing it up for all of us over here. Yeah. So what do we do about standards when we want to not um, create this whole talented tenth? You're either, you know, bougie enough. You're either refined enough. Mm-hmm. You're either you know, kind of calm, cool, and collected enough to be part of the solution. Otherwise, you're part of the problem. How do we make space for childhood? How do we make space for experimentation, space for excess, space for personality? When people's lives are at stake. Right. I mean, I think that we're also afraid of our reputation. And some, I think in those moments where we're guarding as our reputation, we have to be aware that that's a pride issue. Like, okay, if what you're worried about with your son's haircut is your reputation. That's pride. That's not survival. Let's let go of that and give this person some space to be a child. But isn't that, I mean, to some degree still, like I, I see that a lot of times as, you know, those parents genuinely being concerned for their child's well-being and, and because in circles where you are able to assimilate, where you are able to be more acceptable, more palatable, you you have a much better chance of faring better in this world, in this system that generally doesn't, you know, allow space for someone who looks like you. Well, I guess my response to that is manifold. But what I will say um, is I think one thing that we can be brave enough to do now in 2015 that maybe generations before before us weren't able to do because mm-hmm. of the way that they were black in America, because our way of being black is different yeah. than theirs, yeah. is that we can make enough safe spaces for ourselves I think what Brie is saying here is that that you know that fear that black people often have where they want so much for their child to to do well and to be well and and they push so hard for that white standard that it muffles a young black person's sense of self and we 
really need to be deliberate about reversing that effect, about creating the safe space um, for mistakes and for growth um, and for self-expression, because that makes for a more well-rounded, happier, healthier, and ultimately more successful young Black person. Language tends to be one of the biggest points of contention when it comes to respectability and this idea of these white standards that Black people often have to strive toward in order to be taken seriously. I really have a problem with this. This this, this really bothers me. Mm -hmm. I know that my mother wanted me to use a particular grammatical structure in my speech Mm -hmm. because otherwise I would not be employable because we look outside of our own groups for employment. I'm not saying that me having a command over this particular dialect is a negative thing because it allows me to pass in and out of borders. Mm -hmm. I do think that when we get into discussions about rightness, wrongness, and goodness, and badness, because it's never just about something that's, oh, different. It's always about a, a, a hierarchy wherein something is superior to something else. And everything that is black is at the bottom of the pyramid. Mm. That's the part of this that's problematic to me. It's not learn this thing that's different so that you can do well. Like like something that maybe is more distant. Oh, you know, there's lots of jobs opening in Russia. Learn Russian. You yeah. know, that's just something different that you can do something with. It's like... Why do you talk so ghetto? Why do you sound like that? And now, oh, I can hear all the feathers ruffling. Well, the people do sound a mess. They do need to learn how to speak, quote unquote, correct English. Part of the jargon, part of the vernacular is the music of the word choice and and the sounds you make when you say it. Mm -hmm. Like, certain things just don't translate, which is why when we talk to one another, we often go into tonal conversations and hand gestures and all this right. kind of stuff like girl you don't even know what I'm t- like all of that tone Im- has meaning yeah and this idea that that level of meaning is inferior to another level of mm-hmm, meaning and understanding mm-hmm. is problematic yeah. I do think it is important to understand that often when you are of an oppressed class you have to go outside of your community for things like employment or other life necessities. And if you haven't learned the way to interact and talk in that community, you're going to have a hard time. Right. That is the thing that I can champion and I get it. It'd be nice if that doesn't have to be the case if we don't have to seek out the approval of other groups for our basic needs. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. The fact that that continues is a problem. Brie goes on to describe this as internalized racism that we don't challenge. She talks about some of the things that we often see as needing to be silenced um, or things that we feel are unacceptable that need to be changed. Because people will say, well, it's just about ignorance. Because with my my students all the time, well, what was the girl asking me? (laughs) One of my students was asking me to do something. And I was correcting her. I wasn't going to let her go until she asked me with the grammatical structure I'm trying to teach them at school so they can be employable. Right. And she kept arguing back that it didn't sound right. 
he got it or he has it. it. No, it was something like does or has or something that had become so ingrained in her as the correct way. It do work. It do work. It does work. It does. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right because you haven't practiced saying it. Right. Someone would say she needs to understand that that's wrong and this is right. What I want her to understand is this is different. Mm. It do work, girl. Like that way of talking <laughs> is a personal thing. Yeah. It declares a level of intimacy. It's it's a secret little code. It's a sister language. Yeah. It's a high five language. You know, it's that's okay. But you need to understand that it does work. Yeah. It's a very delicate relationship here between what we have to learn for necessity and what we need to hang on to for that sense of self. It's really like being bilingual. You want to hold on to what is true to your culture, but you want to make sure that you've got the tools to be successful in this world. I I will say, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think I think you're right that we... We, you know, we, we put that out in, in, in children, especially when, when we cor- correct grammar and I, it, it's a problem because that it's not just the phrase. It's not just it do work. That's not where it stops. Th- what comes with that is also this mentality that who I am, how I know to be, everything that I'm familiar with is wrong. And that's what i mean that mentality translates i mean just in terms of the amount of confidence you have to go out and do something to try something different to mm-hmm. you know to to take a chance to take a risk you don't have that when you feel like no i something about me isn't right something about me isn't acceptable i can't go out there like this i'm not you know i have to change i, I can't be this way The conversation swung back around to education and we talked about how standards vary within the education system. Every child in this city deserves an excellent education. We seem more willing to do it for certain subsets Mm, of the population. Yeah, yeah. People who come with a higher standard and want a higher standard might get the lion's share of attention, which is dangerous for everyone involved Mm -hmm. because it forgets what's at stake, which is the health of all these children. It's important to get all the schools where they should be. I mean, my son goes to a charter school because it is his civil right to get the best education possible. Yeah. And if that's where resources are being funneled at the moment, then that's where he's going to go to get those resources. I don't think that his opportunity for better should be taken from him. And I think that everyone should have that level of opportunity. We shouldn't be lowering anyone's level of opportunity. We should be raising everyone's. Mm -hmm. We talked about how some schools have a greater need for outside assistance and how where that outside assistance is coming from can have effect on what the students believe about people who look like them and people who don't look like them? Well, I, I work in Sandtown. Mm-hmm. And for 14 years, I've been working there for a nonprofit. And I, maybe there are many people behind the scenes that I don't know. What I'm saying is that I often lamented that there were not more mm. 
black faces coming in mm. to be the a part of the solution. Helping. Yeah. Um, because it was continuing this whole like savior narrative. Mm. Like, yeah, you have a problem. We're here to help you. <sighs> versus, here are ways that we can help one another and help ourselves right. through collective organizing. Right. Um. You know, and, and but which doesn't mean that I'm not willing to accept help from whence it comes. Because as I said, yeah, I, maybe I understand why other groups have more energy to help because maybe they're experiencing less oppression and therefore have more discretionary energy, space, yeah. more emotional space. Mm -hmm. We talked about how that emotional space should involve relationship and shouldn't just be giving money from a distance. So we understand that absence with the presence of money is, is, not, is, not, enough. is yeah. not enough. Yeah. It's got to be presence. We have to enter into a relationship with one another. How do we do that? How do we how do how do we make that sustainable? Because again, there are, are the people who come in and they give their money or they take a tour and then they leave. You know, how can we break that pattern? I think that for us is uh, Baltimore to really look at ways in which we're going to change our current state of affairs, we have to begin to connect on a personal level. I think that organizations of which we're a part, whether it's your your church, your synagogue, your garden club, yeah. whatever your group is, needs to leave where you are and go to where some other people are and enter into relationship with them. I'm not saying everyone needs to sit down around a board table and discuss race. I'm saying go plant flowers together, you know, and each of you bring something. Not like, oh, we brought you something. Yeah. We are all going to plant together. Oh, you, you're you a choir from your church. I'm a choir from my church. Okay, well, let's get together and sing together. Mm -hmm. You know, you're choir director will direct one song and our choir director will direct another song. Oh. Enter into relationship, have a reason to talk. People, I mean, if you're looking up and you live in a segregated neighborhood, let's stop playing these games. There's a problem. Yeah. If you only feel safe when all your neighbors look just mm -hmm, like you, mm -hmm. it's time to check yourself. Yeah. Or if you only feel safe when integration means you are the majority. Yeah. If as soon as you're in a minority situation, you feel threatened and you feel like Things are no longer good. You have internalized racial prejudices that need to be addressed. So I think that we have to make space for that um, and not like, oh, it's Thanksgiving. Let's go down and give something to people. Right. Oh, it's Christmas. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I think we have to get really intentional about it, and intentional in our schooling as well. Um, if you are, I don't know, get all your friends together and say that all eight of us are going to put our kids in this local school. Yeah. I mean, if there's 16, 19, or 25 kids in a class, be half of it, and then get to know all the other parents in that class, and then build community. Like, it, without knowing each other, we're, we're not getting any better at stuff. I mean, I do think that neighborhoods like Sandtown, where 
I mean, talk when there's such high levels of poverty. I understand why money is an appropriate gift. Right. It is also important to enter into a relationship because one thing I've noticed about some of our job training programs for the kids, I know nobody at the private schools I went to is, you know, flipping burgers for their summer internship. Yeah. That's what I mean. If you want to come give money, also give an opportunity. We're going to take, you know, these five kids and they're going to do an internship. We're going to take these five fathers and they're going to do an internship with us. We're going to take these five mothers so they can learn the ropes in an organization like this. And maybe we're going to do some job training. As a step up, we're going to build relationship like that <clears throat> because that's what relationships do for people who don't live in high poverty areas. It's yeah. who you know is how you got your job. Right. Sometimes who you know is how you got your bank loan. Mm -hmm. You know, it's who you know that got you into that industry. It's who you know that got you out of the bad situation you were in. If we're not doing any of that, if it's always um, this anonymous group of poor people that we kind of push supplies toward and yeah. never, you know, it's kind of like never the lepers in the cave. We just throw in a sandwich and run, you know? <laughs> <laughs> A sandwich. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's why the gospel is so powerful. Because Jesus wasn't just like, I die for you. Peace. Deuces, right? You know? I die for I'm you. out. They're like, no, who's that dude on the tree? I don't know him. It says King of Kings. I don't know him. You know, the, you know, the, it, it is rent. You know, it's, no, it's like, you have to know people. Yeah. It's like, you got to form a relationship. Bria shared with me the overall message that she wants to impart to both her children and her students. Understanding that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and that there's more to you than this corner. Yeah. And, you know, this trap. Or, you know, whatever really small thing that someone tries to fit you into. You know, and everyone's way forward is different. I just, I don't know, I want more for this city. I want to believe that we can have, um, that we don't just, we want to sweep this under the rug, that we will come together and do something different. I certainly want more for my children. I do. Yeah. And I don't want to have to run to the hills to get it. I want to be able to stay right here in my public school and have an excellent education for my child. I don't want to have to go to Montgomery County I don't want to have to go to a private school. I'm a taxpayer. I'm a Harvard-educated woman. Why do I have to convince someone else that my son should have the best education possible? Why? It's, it should not be. And if I have to fight this fight, imagine how much more someone else is fighting it. Yeah. Which is why I feel like I need to just stay right here and fight because I think that most people just leave. They just, they're like, oh, well, my kids are getting to be school age. I'm moving to Columbia. Yeah. Well, my kids are getting to be school age. I need to fill out these applications for this and that private school. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, how about everybody else? You know, me getting into a charter school with a lottery has not made my work stop. It's still in Baltimore City Public School. They still need help. They don't have all the resources that they should have. And 
you know, someone has to hold them accountable for high quality teaching and learning. It is work. Um, I just want us to all do this work together. Hmm. And I'm just trying to uh, be a part of seeing that done. A noble task. A daunting task. A daunting task. But is it? It's not he who plants no human water waters, but God who makes it grow. Hmm. This conversation with Brie got me really thinking about what I can do to plant and water. How can I help? What can I do? How can I contribute? How can I be a part of the solution? What relationships can I build? What relationships can you build? I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to figuring it out. Plant and water. Plant and water. Plant and water. That's what I'm calling people to do. Plant and water. Stop sitting around. Plant and water. What have you planted today? Yeah. Or have you been chilling? Under the shade of the tree that somebody 400 years ago planted for <coughs> you. Me. And you just living off the bad fence? Mm-hmm. Plant and water. I like it. Let's see. Do they do it? Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> black person theme music by ryan little the transition music you heard today was made by vincent campbell brie's husband awesome right you can find him on soundcloud under vincent campbell g matter if you like today's show please leave me a review on itunes i'd really love to hear from you if you want to keep in touch you can follow me on twitter at underscore regular black you can also send me an email to listen at regularblackradio.com And for any and all updates about the show, be sure to visit my website at regularblackradio.com. Next week will be the last episode for season one of Regular Black Radio. It's going to be really awesome, so you should definitely tune in. And it'll be a little bit different than normal. So you don't want to miss it. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And remember to be your Black, whatever that means to you. I have, but it's oh my like gosh. I you can't see the even. New one? Ah, I didn't it. see the new one. I didn't see okay, the new homework. one. Okay, homework. Write this down. Okay. I'm not playing with you. Homework. Oh, I like when you. I like what he gives. It's so good. The Karate Kid. The new one. With, with, um, with Will, Will Smith's Smith son. Jaden. J. Jaden. Because his name is like Jada's and Will's, Willow's name is like Will's. It's Jaden. You didn't catch on to that, did you? You ain't even know. You ain't even know. <laughs> wow. How did I not see that?
understand. <laughs> it's okay, you know now. I get my degree back. <laughs> I didn't deserve this. <laughs> I didn't deserve this. <laughs> Somebody had to play on the obvious. <laughs> it's okay, no judgments. Thank you, thank you. So, um, I won't tell anybody, but don't. it might be in the outtakes. Oh, no. <laughs> so-